When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Great interview with Aaron Grimes, defensive back for the Edmonton Elks. Back with the team after a couple of seasons with the BC Lions. And uh, he took us through a day in training camp. And it is, uh, they are long days. They, they, they are long days. And uh, a lot of work behind the scenes and a lot of work that is not on the field. Meetings, meetings, and more meetings. That, that's what a lot of it amounts to for uh, players across the CFL going through training camps right now. I mentioned we have all the Elks games for you on 630 Chet. A 14-game regular season this year with no preseason games First two games for the Elks are at home, Saturday, August 7th, 8 p.m. against Ottawa, Saturday, August 14th, 5 p.m. against Montreal, and single game tickets are now on sale. The website, now goelks.com. And I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, a man you're going to be hearing on these airwaves a lot, which I always look forward to, former uh, member of the Double E football team, now our in-game analyst here on 630 Chat. It's Blake Dermott. Blake, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. It's good to be back on. It is good to be back on. And uh, I, I know you and I are going to have some fun chats over the year and some laughs. And I always, uh, as I always say, I enjoy the way you always polite me, politely tell me I know nothing about football, which I appreciate. Uh, but, that's not uh, true. That's well, not true. <laughs> Yeah. Do you mean that you're not polite about it or that I do know something about football? Well, maybe both, yeah. Maybe both. <laughs> but no, uh, you know, I, I do want to put the joking aside for a sec, and we will get, get into some training camp stuff. Um, you know, I just feel like I want to offer you and a lot of the alumni uh, condolences. Really sad to lose Michael Souls last week. Yeah, you know, for those who aren't aware of uh, Michael's uh, situation, he had been battling ALS for a long time. And uh, as of, you know, I think from 2014 onward, Michael was in a situation where he could not eat by himself. He could not breathe by himself and uh, without the help of uh, uh, equipment. And, uh, and yeah, um, he, had, uh, he had reached out to the Alumni Association, um, not, so, not even so much for, for help for his, himself, but, uh, but we were... We were working towards that, and, and of course the Elks uh, stepped up, uh, and, and we were going to be able to find additional. Um, uh, well, we were going to be able to find funds that were going to support additional helpers other than his mother, who was the primary caregiver. And uh, uh, we had just got that finalized, and literally within days, he passed away. So um, we we had uh, the organization, the alumni association, had. Uh, um, worked very hard, very quickly to be able to try to find a solution that was going to be helpful for his situation going forward and for his mother and family. And uh, as I said, it just uh, it just passed away before we could we could actually institute it. So, so the, the the wheels are in motion to make sure that this reaches a point. But we we've, we've got a, a, a player assistance fund 
and we're, we're, we want to make sure that the, the the amount of money that's in there is accessible to uh, other players that uh, have played within the organization uh, for the future because it isn't going to get any better as we move forward. There's always going to be somebody in need of uh, some support and uh, assistance. Well, and that's awesome for the uh, alumni to do that and, and what you're in the process of doing for Michael. And, uh, yeah, gone way too soon. And, and obviously, you know, ALS is just is such a, a tragic disease. So thanks for sharing that story. And just what I noticed, I mean, you and I talked off air last week and so many alum uh, uh, from – uh, from Edmonton, from Montreal, even going back to his college days, just chiming in on, on what an awesome player, an awesome guy that he was. Yeah. And, you know, and again, a, a lot has to be said for, for the, uh, the Elks organization for stepping up as well. I mean, it's been a horrifically tough last year and a half for that organization, yet they were saying, we want to help. And, uh, and, and that was a, just a, a great move by them uh, to be able to, uh, to step up for this. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Michael is gone, and and uh, and everybody that ever played with him or ever knew him knew what a, what a great guy he was, and uh, and certainly what a talented football player he was. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Blake. Really appreciate that. Blake Dermott joining us tonight on Inside Sports. I had Aaron Gribes on in the last half hour, and as I referenced, I, I had to tape this interview with him around two fifteen this afternoon, and I kind of, you know, Dave and I sort of pitched to the Elks that we'd like to do a segment with a player, take us through your day at training camp because I know there are a lot of meetings and they get there early, but I also don't know all the details. And I thought that might be interesting to present to the audience. So Aaron really took us through his day and Blake, I'm doing this interview. And like I said, we just replayed it. So I listened to it again and it was, he's talking about, okay, he's there. He gets up at five 45. He's at the stadium at about six 20. He's stretching. He's having breakfast. He's meeting with teammates. And he kind of went through a bunch of stuff. And I thought, okay, it's probably winding down. And I said, okay, where are, are we in the day now? And he was like, well, it's like just after lunch. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, it's only just after lunch with all these meetings and workouts and on field sessions. It was nuts. Yeah. And, and, and I know that, uh, um, and I, cause I didn't, I wasn't privy to, to the, uh, I, I missed the, his interview. Um, but I, uh, I, 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 every time I hear what players and I see how players go through their day, I, I look at it. And it's like that old Monty Python's line luxury, <laughs> because when I remember what we had to go through, um, like we were, uh, their practices, they're basically, it's one long practice. And uh, and the and and that in itself is difficult. I mean, that's if you've ever gone through a football practice, it, it's difficult. It's, uh, um, but the physicality of those practices isn't the way it was 25 years ago. When because uh, because of the safe contact and, and minimal amount of contact, we would have to do one-on-ones, physical, full equipment one-on-ones, morning and afternoon, for the majority of the time that I played, because that's what you did. As as we got as I got longer in my career. Of course, they started bringing shorts in, the, in one practice, so you didn't you minimized your contact. But for the I'd say for the first seven years, we did one-on-ones, morning and afternoon, full contact. Everything was hitting, everything was hitting, and it drills. But we would start about the same time. You get the you'd get down for breakfast about six six thirty. You'd eat breakfast, then you had to get straight to the training table, and from the training table, you were on the field at nine o'clock. You went from nine o'clock to eleven. Then you had a chance to get some ice on you, and then you had to be at uh, lunch at noon. And then, then you had uh, a meeting after lunch. And then if you were lucky, uh, like uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrose, you always found time for a 25-minute nap. Then you, you, you were back on the field. You were back in the training table, you know, getting taped by, 
by 2.30, and then you were on the field again by 3.30, you weren't off the field till 5.30, and then you ate supper, and then you had meetings till probably 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. So, so our day, like we, they have one practice, they're off the field by noon, and then they have meetings afterwards, but we had, you try to go through a full practice like that, then break for two hours, and then try to warm up and get not, you know, and, and to, to be able to practice for a second one, it was like halfway through the second practice before you got loose again. And then, and then you started the hitting. And so, so yeah, like this, this one long practice, I would have preferred way more to the, to the two long practices that we, would have, that we would have had to endure 25 years ago. Okay, so where did Ambrosi nap? <laughs> he, we all had dorm rooms. And, and, and if, you, if you lived in the, city, in the city, you didn't have to sleep in your dorm rooms. But Ambrosi, uh, Randy would use his dorm room and just head up to the room. And he would go, okay, oh, okay. I got to get my nap. Boom, 25 minutes. And you, <laughs> that's all he needed. But he always felt much better for the second practice. <laughs> Uh, Blake Dermott joining us tonight on Inside Sports with uh, tales from training camp. Uh, Blake uh, going down memory lane a bit, and uh, Aaron Grimes told you in the last half hour what they currently do. So um, do, do you look back, though, and say, what was the point of all the hitting we did in training camp? I, I mean, because like, like you're beat up before you even start the season. Yeah, I get, but that's just what you did, right? I mean, when I look at, like, there's a lot of things when I look at what we do now as athletes, what athletes do now to prepare, and what we used to do, and what was thought to be the norm. Um, yeah, the training techniques are so much better now. The, you know, the the lifting, the heavy weights that they, that we used to have to lift, or you know, we would lift and to try to get ready. The, you know, the, the more the cross training type athlete now, and and it's just so much easier on your body. Plus, of course, nutrition. You know, what they eat now and what we used to eat and and when we ate and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's just so much different than it is now. So yeah. Uh, uh, players are going through practices now and they obviously still compete at a very, very high level and uh, are quality athletes. And some would argue, I mean, every generation is better than the one before. They're certainly bigger than what we were when we played and they don't do any hitting and they seem to be okay when games start, you know? So, so it's, uh, uh, you're right. I, when I look back at what we used to do, I, I think that, that it was, uh, it was sort of a, um, basically drawn from the coach's experience you know like i when we great cup in 1993 we're playing winnipeg blue bombers there we are at the great cup right there's all last two teams in the country playing football and you know by the time you get to great cup you know how to hit and we were we just finished our, our practice uh, it was probably on the thursday i guess so we're talking two days three days before great cup and the bombers are out there doing one-on-ones and we're like what are you guys doing <laughs> There they were, three days before the game, the biggest game of the year. If you don't know how to do a one-on-one by that time in the in the season, then, then you shouldn't be out on the field. But their coaches had them doing one-on-ones because they obviously felt that if you don't do one-on-ones, you're not going to be sharp come game time. And so, so so much of the you know what used to be done obviously was 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 not looking at science. It was just looking at well, that's it was good enough for me when I played 20 years ago. It's good enough for these guys, you know. And I think now coaches are a lot smarter, players are a lot smarter, and certainly training staffs and, and organizations are so much smarter about protecting their athletes because there's an awful lot of money and time invested in them. Okay, take us inside a meeting. And did you or a colleague ever fall asleep during a meeting? Um, well, I mean, when, when you ask that question, are you asking that how many times a week? <laughs> okay, good. I mean, cause here's the thing. Because when, when I played, there was 18 guys on our team that had two jobs, and football being one of them. 
So uh, we didn't practice till four o'clock in the afternoon. And so what would happen is, is that, you know, I'd be at work or guys would be at work, you know, coming to the, uh, uh, our training, our practice facility with suits on because we'd worked for eight hours and then we got there to practice. And, and so you'd be in meetings and, uh, you know, you'd be tired already or you'd worked out in the middle of in the morning because you had to get a workout in before work and then come to practice. So it was, it was really common. Or if a guy had you know, young children, yeah, I mean, I remember Coach Mac, uh, Bill McDermott, one of the greatest coaches I ever had, just a wonderful human being. But he always used to joke to us older veterans. He said, guys, when the lights go out, make sure your pencils are pointing to the ground. I don't want anybody's head to bob down on a point. So, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so he was thinking of everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was preparing us. But, uh, yeah, no, that was it just, it just what it was. And the other thing, too, that in fairness to uh, you know, the players is, when I first started, we were using that eight millimeter film, and that thing when it, when it, the, the film ran, it kind of whirred, just a, and it just would put you to sleep. It was. Uh... <laughs> so what? So let me ask you this: like, does the meeting need to be? Uh, like, why does the meeting need to be two hours? Like, couldn't it couldn't it be fifteen minutes? Here are the plays. You guys are old enough to know how to block, and when you need to push the guy left or right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I, like, don't, I don't know if the meetings need to be two hours. I, like, I, we never had two-hour meetings. We had an hour-and-a-half meetings, but the meetings were, like, the first half hour was special teams. And then the, the second half hour was, or second hour was your unit. But think about this in training camp. They have 15 guys. So if you're doing, if you're reviewing film on one-on-ones, you want every guy to see what they did wrong. Uh, you, you try to, you're trying to watch every film so that every guy has, because some people, I mean, people learn different ways, right? People learn by, by watching uh, the play, by, by looking at the play on the, on the board or reading it in a paper or by actually physically doing it. So, so everybody has different ways of learning. So you've got to be able to encompass all that. If you're going to get the maximum out of players, you've got to give everybody an opportunity to be able to see themselves fail and succeed. And so in training camp, films are a little bit longer because you've got more bodies. As you get into the season, you can break down, well, we're putting in these plays, this team runs this defense. When they run this defense, this is what we're going to do, and they'll give you examples. They don't, we don't necessarily need to watch every minute of every game. It'll be a little bit more isolated. But in training camp, you're trying to evaluate players, and you want players to, uh, as I said, have the, the best opportunity to improve on what they did the day before. And, you know, uh, a, a lot of things happen nowadays, too. When you're out in the field, there's very few corrections made by coaches when a play is run because they've got a limited amount of time that they want to be on the field. So if a play's run poorly, they go on to the next one. Um, and when I played, a lot of times if a play was run poorly, they stopped and they did it again. And so, you know, all the, all the corrections and all the adjustments are made in the film room and not necessarily on the practice field like it used to be. Okay. Well, I find that fascinating because I, I love the hearing about how athletes prepare the mental side of the game and football is such a intricate game with you know 12 guys each trying to do their individual job to make the whole play work so i like hearing that kind of stuff blake will be doing this uh, likely every week throughout the season so i look forward to that i'm not going to ask you for any preseason predictions at least not today because uh who knows (laughs) (laughs) we haven't seen games for so long Yeah, no, well, I appreciate it. I, uh, I'm glad you're putting me on the spot with that because that would be just uh, that would be just guessing. All right, Blake. Thanks, Matt. Love this. Okay, thanks a lot, Blake Durbett.
Edmonton Elks analyst here on 6.30, Chad, uh, looking back on his days at training camp, and you heard Aaron Grimes, what the current players go through between 6.30 and 7. John writes in, he says, Reed, any idea why they haven't shown any Elks jerseys for this season yet? Are they going to be a special surprise release or something? Chris Preston did address that around the time the uh, the logo and the new name came out, and the jerseys are going to look like they did last season. Uh, they'll say Edmonton on the front instead of the old name. Uh, but he said the jerseys will be remodeled for next year just with time and money. They couldn't get everything they wanted done done for the 2021 season. So the jerseys are going to look the same as they did last year. The helmets, of course, are going to be different. The antler helmets will debut in game action on August 7th. It's Inside Sports on Chet. <laughs> Just looking at this headline on a story written by Elliot Friedman on sportsnet.ca. Montreal Canadian Shea Weber's career threatened by lingering foot and ankle problems. And uh, according to multiple sources, Friedman says Weber, the Canadians, the league, the PA doing their due diligence on the captain's medical situation and future. He has been plagued by foot and ankle problems over uh, the last few seasons here. And it looks like the Canadians will leave him unprotected in the upcoming expansion draft. And uh, as, uh, as the headline says, some uh, concerns for Shea Weber's future in the national hockey league. Another story to follow here through the off season. Good to have Blake Durbin on the show. You can chime in seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three. Some uh, news for Brad Lauer from the Edmonton Oil Kings, and he has a couple players likely to go very high in next Friday's first round of the NHL draft. Brad Lauer is up next. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Don't forget Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2 every day. And we'll have live coverage of the first round of the NHL draft next Friday. As a couple members of your Edmonton Oil Kings could go in that round, which will be one of many discussion points with my next guest, the head coach of the Oil Kings, Brad Lauer, checking in. Brad, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Uh, hey, Reed. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, always good to have you pop on the show and keep us updated. We actually have a lot to talk about with you for uh, July 14th. I want to dive in, and I know you're a few seasons now removed from being on the Tampa Bay Lightning coaching staff, but I also yeah, know yeah. you know a lot of those players, got to know them as players and people behind the scenes as well. Uh, yeah. What's it like to see some of those key guys go back-to-back? -back? Yeah, I mean, obviously in this day and age with uh, the way the game is with salary restrictions and stuff like that i think it's pretty uh pretty incredible what they were able to do and now again so there's a lot of people talking about being over the cap and all that but um i think it's still pretty special today's uh, day and age to be able to go back and back back to back what uh dare i ask you what makes andre vasilevsky tick i mean i, I think now he's the consensus best goalie in the national hockey league 
Yeah, you know, I I I don't I, I don't disagree that he is uh, he is the best goalie. Um, you know, and I think really what what really does it is just the way his work ethic is. Um, he's a very focused individual, but um, to watch him practice and watch him compete, um, you know, on drills, on on shots and and stuff, he just never quits on anything. Um, some of those saves you see during the game where you think he's beat, he makes those saves. Those are saves that he doesn't practice. So he's, he's that type of goalie that, uh, you know, he he's there. He's one of the first guys at the rink um, every day in practice. He's one of the last guys to leave. Um, his work, like I said, his work ethic is second to none. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and again, I know I, I know you're a few years removed from being there, but like I said, I, yeah. you know some of those guys, so I, I did want to ask you that for sure. Brad Lauer yeah. joining us tonight at Inside Sports. You guys uh, hired somebody today. Josh Mallory is going to be your video coach and hockey operations coordinator. Uh, take yeah. uh, take us behind the scenes a, a little bit. Uh, what does the video coach, because this is a guy who's often you know behind the scenes and probably yeah. has a lot of late nights and early mornings and doesn't get a lot of credit, to tell us a little bit about Josh's job, what the video coach is expected to do. Yeah, no, it, there, there's a lot that goes with it, just not only on the hockey side of everything else for us, for, for our staff. It's also stuff that uh, Kurt Hill will want um, him to grab for him. And for what, for what I mean by that is like the Bantam, um, obviously the Bantam draft kids, uh, their games are all on, on the internet. He'll grab stuff like that. But for for us, you know, it's on ice stuff. It's doing meetings. It's running uh, uh, meetings for us, uh, pre-ice stuff, um, you know, uh, game tendencies, the teams that we're playing against. They'll do meetings like Josh will do meetings for us for that. He'll break down games. Um, you know, during the game, he's the guy that's in our dressing room coding the game for us. So when we do come in, um, or, you know, we have a lot of stuff like the NHL teams have. We have communication from bench to locker room. Um, we're able to tag clips, certain clips of during the game. Um, so when we do get in there between in between periods, those clips are, are there for us, and we can go through stuff like that really quick. Um, so he's that type of guy that's going to have uh, a lot. Like you say, he's behind the scenes, but he's got a lot of things to do, coding the games and getting stuff ready for us. So um, it's, it's a good hire for us. We've been out with uh, – we lost, um, you know, Michael Chan a couple of years ago. He went to, went to Toronto Marley's. Uh, and then last year we we brought in uh, a guy from upstairs to help us out to finish the year um, here for 20 games. So um, we were able to get this done this summer. Did you guys have coaches' challenges in the WHL? Is there any video review? Uh, there is. There is going to be this year. Um, we're going to have offside and goals. There's, there's going to be there's going to be cameras in every building. Obviously, with us being in, a, in an NHL building, we already have the cameras access there for us. Um, but every other building is going to have that. So. There's going to be challenges uh, starting this season for us. Okay. Well, have fun with that, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all like guys like me aren't going to find a way to pick your part your decisions with those, eh? <laughs> yeah. No, I'll put that on Josh's plate. I'll say, Josh, is that their call? So that will be his responsibility. <laughs> right. Have you guys changed the offside rule like the NHL so the foot can hover over the blue line? Yeah, there's 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 stuff there's uh there was a the stuff that came across our, our emails here um, a couple almost a month ago I guess talking about that uh, there's going to be some kind of uh, uh, video coming out to give us a better example of 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 what's on how to make those calls I guess. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be fun stuff in the Western Hockey League for sure. Brad Lauer joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, an interesting opportunity for your for you. 
This mm-hmm. summer, Hockey Canada has named you one of the coaches for yeah. the men's under-18 summer development camp. Now, somebody might be listening and scratching their head and saying, wait a minute, I thought Canada wasn't going to that tournament. Uh, well, yeah. they're, they're correct. So, but, but tell us about this opportunity and what is going to be happening for these athletes. Yeah, I think uh, obviously due to COVID and stuff like that, the Holinka Cup was, was obviously cancelled last year. And I think this year is what they wanted to do is bring in the 04s, 05s, uh, 44 kids for across Canada and just run a run a camp um, for these kids that haven't really been to any camps uh, yet. And they're also going to have the U20s there in the same area working uh, on another sheet. And at the end of the, the camp, uh, we'll combine the two groups, uh, the 18s and 20s and have a couple scrimmages but uh, basically what it is is get the 18 year olds in and, and running a run a 10-day co- uh, camp with them uh work with two two teams a red and a white team um six coaches across canada um a couple from the western league a couple from the ohl and a couple from the quebec major junior league so um, we're going to be there just to you know do the practice stuff and and uh do whatever hockey canada needs us to do and and make sure these kids have a have a good experience Okay, so July 25th, August 1st, and August 4th, and you're going to be at the Seven Chiefs Sportsplex uh, just outside of Calgary. So good, uh, that's a really cool opportunity for you. Uh, I'm glad yeah. you're going to be getting to do that. Too bad that you won't get to coach in the actual tournament, but m- maybe there'll be other <laughs> Hockey Canada opportunities uh, on the horizon for you. Okay, yeah. um, the draft is next mm-hmm. Friday. You guys had obviously the uh, abbreviated but excellent season, and yeah. you have two players expected to go very high i mean dylan gunther i don't know where he's going to go i don't know if he's going to go three i don't know if he's going to go four i don't know if he's going to go five i don't know if he yeah. drops i mean it's <laughs> who knows but he's going to go very high yeah. Yeah. what have you been what have you been telling the scouts asking you about dylan gunther here in the last few months well i mean i think it's i mean i think what basically that's he's an exceptional player i mean obviously we've seen it here um, you know, with, you know, being able to work with him the last two years and, you know, he had a pretty good year for us, but only 12 games, but still put up, man, he's put up 24 points, but, you know, he's one of those players that's got high skill, you know, high end, um, hockey sense just has a, a really good package, um, you know, that he brings and, you know, he's the, you know, what I really like about him is that. He's one of these kids that has the shot mentality shoot first. Um, you know, a lot of times these, these kids coming up now, they want to make these pretty plays and try to pass the puck in the net. Uh, Dylan's a shoot type uh, kind of guy first. So, you know, he, he's, 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 he's a very grounded individual and he's very focused and high skill. And, you know, I'm really excited to see, uh, to see where he goes on Friday. I mean, there's been a lot of guys calling on him. Um, there's been a lot of talk. So I'm very interested to see what happens Friday. Sebastian Kosa, I mean, what an amazing year in net. I, I, I think he had one loss. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty awesome, even over the course of a shortened season. I, yeah. I think with goaltenders, perhaps it's a little more unpre- unpredictable. I know I had a caller uh, phone me a few days ago and say that he's been looking at all these mock drafts, and I think Sebastian's anywhere between 10 and 22 or 10 and 25, but a mm-hmm. special goaltender, maybe he's around there for the Oilers when they go at 20, which is actually the 19th pick because Arizona had to forfeit. Uh, yeah. But I'll kind of ask you the same question. What do you tell people when they ask about Sebastian? Well, I mean, again, I think you're seeing a kid here that's really really taken some big gains. Um, obviously, the, the pandemic 
he took that time that we had off and really, really um, got strong mentally. What I mean by that is that he doesn't hang on bad, a bad goal or if we make a mistake in front of him, he doesn't hang on those mistakes. He's he's focused and ready for that next shot to, to come at him. You know, he's a big kid. He's very athletic. Um, he's got quick feet. Um, you know, he's a really he's a kid that can he fights through traffic. He fights for every save. You know, he doesn't give up on shots. You know, and and I I truly believe he's gonna be a franchise goalie if 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 whoever team he goes for. I think he's gonna be one of those kids down the road you're gonna talk about like like this year. I mean, I think it was uh, the last four teams in the playoffs this year. I think all every goalie was a first round draft pick. Um, you know, so I think I think. You know, I can see him being a franchise goalie um, in the National Hockey League. I think he's got that type of pedigree to him. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, he, he had an outstanding season for sure. Any any other your guys we should maybe watch for their names next weekend? You know, I think there's been uh, Carson Vladimir's name. And, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of number calls, uh, you know, with him. Um, you know, so there could be some interest, some teams in the later rounds uh, taking a and taking him between the third and fifth round, possibly. So, um, yeah, you never know. Uh, I guess when, when guys get going in the draft and where they're going, but uh, his name has been, been talked about a fair bit, too. Okay. Well, yeah, and it tends. I mean, the further you go down into the draft, a little more unpredictable goals. Uh, before I let you go, your draft story, 34th overall, 1985 <laughs> by the New York Islanders. Uh, where were you? What was your reaction? Uh, you know, I was in I was in Toronto. It was a draft was in Toronto. I was there with my family, and uh, you know, we're sitting there waiting, watching the guys. That was Wendell Clark's uh, uh, year of first overall draft pick. Um, I think him and was it Craig Simpson? I think went second. So it was between him and him and Craig who was going to go first overall, and, and Toronto took took Wendell. But um, and and uh, Wendell and I are pretty good friends. Obviously, we grew up pretty close to each other. So it was it was kind of cool to see that happen. And we played against each other with him in Saskatoon and myself in Regina. But yeah, it was just one of those days. It's it's a little stressful. You know, you're sitting there in, in the crowd and you're waiting for your name to be called. You know, you're rated. You know, you're rating. You're ranking. We by that time there was only 21 teams, so it was like. You know, you're rated, you know, I was rated in a late first round to an early second round. So you're kind of looking at those numbers. You're kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and you're hoping. <laughs> so, you know, you wait for the next name and it's not your name. So it can be stressful. It's not a, it's not a comfortable day, but it's when your name gets announced, it's it's pretty special to to be able to take off your, your suit jacket and walk down the stairs and, and put that team jersey on. Then you obviously you go through the through the stuff where you take, take the photos and do the interviews and meet meet the coaches and the management staff and the, and the scouts and all that. So it's a pretty special day that you know it's one of the, I still I'll never forget it. And um, you know for these kids this year it's going to be a great, another great day for them. I should ask you about your time with the Islanders too, because uh, a lot of the storyline during this year's postseason was this could be their last game in Nassau Coliseum, and then they'd win. This could be their last game. In what do you what do you remember about that building? Was it ever a modern building, even when you were playing in it? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, that that building's been around for a long time. They've done some. A uh, number of renovations to it. Uh, you know what, though, that is a one bit. When things are going well, for that is a building that is extremely difficult for visiting teams to play. And I know it's, you know, the experiences that I've, the, the fan base, and just how loud it is. And it's just, it's a building that is just, uh, it's just fun to be in. I know the Montreal, the old Montreal for me, the new Montreal. Uh, playing there is extremely uh, noisy, but um, I remember those days when it was loud in there. It is it is something special to to be in.
All right. Well, Brad, I always appreciate you coming on the show. Enjoy the opportunity this summer. I'm sure we'll talk to you when uh, you get back from the U18s in Calgary and uh, look forward to following your guys uh, next weekend. As you mentioned, you could have several guys drafted into the National Hockey League. Awesome stuff. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Reed. That is Brad Lauer, reigning coach of the year in the Western Hockey League. He's done a great job with the Oil Kings and Dylan Gunther, Sebastian Kosa. For sure, remember those two guys. They're very, very likely. Well, I can pretty much guarantee it. They're going to go in the first round next Friday for the NHL draft. Good stuff from Brad and a good opportunity for him to coach the uh, U18s at their camp in Calgary late July, early August. They are not going to the Halinka tournament, so they'll have the camp, they'll practice, and they'll play some games against the uh, U20 summer camp guys as well. It's seven. 47 it's inside sports on chet kellen kennedy reed wilkins Warms my cold, bitter heart when you play Def Leppard coming back from break. Thank you. Was Aww. that Let It Go from High and Dry? It was. First track on the album. Good rocker. Absolutely. Good album, High and Dry. Came out in 1981. Was that 40 years ago? It's at the point yeah. where I have to, I'm, I'm at that point where I, I got to think about how old I am and how long ago things were. I used to wonder why people needed to do that. I was like, how hard is it to remember like a year and gaps between years? And now that's what I do. I have to think about, I even have to think about how old I am sometimes. And I am still relatively young, I think. Anyway, Kellen Kennedy back at the 630 Ched Broadcasting Compound. We'll have to do Name the Animal before the end of the week. That'll be fun. People want that. Sure. By by people, I mean you and me. (laughs) I'm not sure sure anybody else is on the edge of their seats for Name the Animal. But we're going to give it to them anyway. Yeah. The content you don't want. Name the animal here on uh, Inside Sports. How are things, uh, buddy? What have you been? Uh, you're, were you doing something with the uh, the drag racing recently? I saw some pictures. Yeah, I uh, was out at Castro Raceway here over the past weekend uh, doing some video work for my uh, YouTube channel and uh, uh, just getting some footage and, and video for um, a project that'll be, I hope, on YouTube here over the next couple of weeks as I you know kind of crack along with it and that stuff so it was a lot and of fun. what is your youtube channel called uh you can link to it via tinyurl.com forward slash drag files so d-r-a-g-f-i-l-e-s drag files drag files okay. yeah and how long have you been doing that uh since june of 2017 so again with the math in the years i think just over four years now so uh, Brent writes in, he says, you should name the goat Screech. That's a good, we actually decided to name the goat Cheddar, Brent. Is the goat around? I can if get you it. See the goat, if, you, if you find the goat before the end of the show, we'll see if he has anything to say tonight. Yeah, we named the goat, I don't know when we named the goat. Time just passes on. I think it was last week. Colton, who's a regular Inside Sports listener and texter and who named a calf after me, which I think I'm honored by. Should I be honored by that? Yeah, why not? Why choose the negative? I'll choose the positive. I'm honored by it. <laughs> there's, there's Cheddar's reaction. He comes there's screaming into the studio. The, he just comes charging into the studio. Good old Cheddar. Uh, <laughs> there he is. 
He's out of control, that uh, goat is. We could have named him Screech. We had some good suggestions. Trevor Kidd was one of my favorite suggestions as well, but we decided not to name him after a real human being. There's Well, there could be somebody in the world named Cheddar, I suppose. Probably is. But um, what are we talking about? Uh, anyway, Peter from Wainwright has texted this in. I'm not sure how to take this. He says, I once listened to your show while I was in, is it Playa del Carmen? Is that how you say it? Playa del Carmen. Uh, Playa del Carmen. I don't know all these tropical places. I never get to go to Playa. <laughs> I once listened to your show while I was in Playa del Carmen on the beach. I had a guy come up and ask if I was listening to the younger and less annoying Bob Stoffer. He was from Red Deer. I think his name was Rick or Ron. LOL. Again, I, I guess I'll choose the positive and take that as a compliment. The younger and less annoying Bob Stoffer. Man, oh man. Uh, I got a lot of respect for Bob. I love having him on the show. I, I, I don't know if we have a lot of similarities, though, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, okay. Colton is still, uh, Colton's listening. He says, I'm still waiting for my canned ham. Ha ha. Oh, don't laugh, Colton. We're getting that to you. You and Reed the calf are going to share that canned ham. It's, it's going to be the highlight of your summer, Colton. Colton, where are, is it? Do you remember where is Colton by Lac Labiche, Kellum? I think that's where he's, he lives oh, by. I have no idea. <laughs> Can't uh, remember. I, th- I think he's north somewhere. I don't know if he's if he's still around. I'm sure he'll tell me before the end of the show. Uh, quickly here, speaking of Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, Brian Lawton, former GM and agent, was on the show with uh, this take on Adam Larson possibly hitting the open market in free agency. You know, the word on the street in regards to Adam Larson is that Edmonton has made him a nice offer, a good offer, one that, you know, is not uh, is acceptable, quite frankly, but he wants to maybe test the market, see how the process is. He's never been through it. It's his opportunity to do that. Now, to me, that's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, and that's just a player that's not coming back. But that's kind of the word on the street as to what's happening there. I've also heard that certain teams are making big offers, this or the other thing. You always chuckle at that because he is property damage no Oilers still. But at the same time, I've seen behind the curtain and how things work from both sides. So I understand that. Uh, but when a player doesn't give you an answer, I always, would always have a saying when we couldn't find something out from a player as an agent or a GM. No answer is an answer. All right, a little bit there from Brian Lawton. Colton lives uh, in Hilo, Alberta, H-Y-L-O, which I'd never heard of until he just wrote that in. It is in the vicinity of Lac Labiche, uh, but he uh, actually is in Hilo. Roadhammer says, I'm betting you that there's a person named Cheddar. They're probably from Wisconsin, LOL, probably. And Rob says, canned ham is on coupon at Costco. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you, Rob. That's the type of info that we definitely need. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Talk to you tomorrow. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.